It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Reds fans and Marlins fans and baseball fans alike. If you just found this podcast, thank you so much for joining in. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. This is the Lockdown Reds podcast right here on YouTube and on your favorite podcasting app. If this is your first time, make sure that you're subscribed. I've got baseball stuff for you each and every day talking about these Cincinnati Red Legs as we head down the stretch. I know they just lost two or three to the Chicago Cubs and look like absolute fools doing it, but they're still in the middle of this wild card race we're going to be talking about all that and more every single day right here but today we are talking reds and marlins specifically i've got aram layton from the lockdown marlins podcast we're going to talk about that we're also going to talk about the rookie of the year race i've, I've been so excited for this series because i've wanted to get aram on to talk about trevor rogers and jonathan india because i know a lot of reds fans we have all seen through jonathan india colored goggles what the rookie of the year race should look like. So we're going to get a Marlins take on the competition. That's all coming up today here on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Again, thanks for joining in today's podcast. As always, before we get started, you also got to check out the Lockdown MLB podcast. It's hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan but call him Sully. He knows his baseball, whether it's present or past, and he imparts that knowledge to you each and every day on the Locked On MLB podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcast, and I think it's on YouTube too. I, I can't remember if he just started that, but I know it's wherever you get your podcast. But before you go finding that, let's talk some Reds. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's bring him in. He is the host of the Locked On Marlins podcast. He's also the host of Locked On MLB Prospects, and he's got a wonderful website called Just Baseball. He's a busy dude. He is Aram Layton, and he's on today's podcast with me. Aram, how you doing, man? That was an awesome intro. That the, the whole uh, that whole audio was awesome, and I appreciate the lead in here. I'm doing great. Um, thank goodness I cover things outside of the Marlins. I love the Marlins. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it's it's a tough time to be immersed in Marlins baseball, and a great time if you are a Reds team that should have swept the Cubs to bounce back here <laughs> yes. and sweep a team that you really should sweep in the Marlins. But I will say the Marlins do have some good pitchers, and uh, the Reds are going to have to get past those guys. But uh, I'm excited to preview the series. I'm looking forward to it too. And I, and I'm actually glad that you're here that way. There can be a little bit of a buffer and I don't just go into a crazy ball of why the hell didn't we sweep the Cubs, but I mean, a real quick, just a quick recap on that. I think what happened was the Reds scored a billion runs in the first game and they all thought, all right, we're just going to show up in games two or three. We're going to win this thing. And that didn't happen because as much as the Cubs brass are trying to put a roster on the field that isn't trying to win, every single player that wears a Cubs uniform is trying to win because they're professionals and they're competitive and, you know, they're, they're not going to just lie down and let the Reds beat them. And that's what happened. It's the big leagues, man, and, and I know you, you, you got to be upset, of course. At the very least, you got to take two out of three of that, but 
it's not like they got swept. Uh, you mentioned they had the big showing in the first game. The way I look at it is it's the big leagues. One game teeters one way or the other, and this is a different conversation. So, yeah, like you said, it, it's literally these guys are going to go out there and try to win. And there's something a little bit dangerous this time of year when you have teams that are playing with nothing to lose. The Cubs yeah. are a bunch of guys that not only are, are playing with nothing to lose, these are guys that are playing for their careers uh, You know, after this. They put up good numbers this year. They're not going to be in AAA next year. Some of these guys are prospects that really want to prove that they belong next year. So uh, those are guys that that are playing with a chip on their shoulder, and, and that can be dangerous. And uh, that's where it gets fun uh, to play spoilers down the stretch here, and that's kind of the role that the Marlins are in now too. Exactly. And speaking of the Marlins, let's jump on that because the Reds haven't seen the Marlins for a couple of years, just playing the Central last year. What have they been up to? I know that they got into the playoffs last season, and now this year's been a little bit different. Yeah, you know, last year's season, uh, there's validity to it, and there's, you know, obviously areas where it lacks validity. Uh, you have a shortened season. I wonder what where the standings would have ended up if we cut the season at 60 games this year, right? It probably would have looked a, a heck of a lot different. So I, I will say, though, last year was a testament to the fact that the Marlins have the good pitching. They really do have a good young core of pitching, and they were able to ride that uh, into the postseason through a shortened season. Uh, now this year, the offense was re- really bad. The bullpen has been inconsistent, uh, to say the least. And in a marathon of a season, those warts will really show, uh, whether it's Sandy Alcantara. I think he's the only player in baseball to lose four starts in which he's gone more eight innings or more. Uh, you have a bullpen that is among the league leaders. I, th- I know you probably think it's the Reds. The Marlins lead the league, I believe, last time I checked, in blown saves. If not, they're right up there in the top three. So when you have those two things, it's going to be hard to win ball games. The starting rotation has been great. And if it weren't for the starting rotation, this is the worst team in baseball. Uh, and unfortunately, they've dealt with some injuries to that rotation. Sixto Sanchez hasn't thrown this year. Eliezer Hernandez has only made a couple starts, who I think the Reds may actually see in this series. But it's just been an unfortunate year for them. And I, I still think that they've got a shot to put it all together next year. Anytime you have the young pitching that they have, uh, that, that's a good building block. I think in fantasy, I drafted Sixto Sanchez toward the end of the draft to see if I could stash him. And when he gets pulled up, I was going to have an awesome starter on my bench. And I, I know from experience, he has had a rough year when it comes to the injury bug. Speaking of injury bug, we're talking about a, a dude who finally came back from one of his many, many injuries of his career. And that's Nick Senzel. And he's not here. For the first time ever, he rehabbed, he got better, he got healthy, and they said, all right, stay in AAA. You're, you're good. It's like, whoa, dude. I mean, There's been a whole bunch of talk about that. I've talked a lot about it because I almost think it's not disingenuous, but I think they've been jerking him around his entire career. He was drafted as a third baseman. They played him at second base in the minors. They said, okay, now you're going to be a center fielder. And they just, it, it, for all of his talents and his abilities, the availability factor has really seemed to derail everything that his career has hoped to be. And so because of that, we've seen a lot more Tyler Naquin than we thought we were going to, which in the early season was good. Then in the middle of the season, it wasn't so good. And now it's back to being okay because he's on a little bit of a hitting streak. But it's really kind of filled out some other holes. Like Jonathan India obviously is amazing, but he was not expected to be this good. He's kind of filled that role that Nick Senzel was supposed to be 
the leadoff hitter extraordinaire and got a pretty darn good glove. I love that was the only and I'll say this, too, because I didn't get it. I didn't really want to do an in-depth review of that final game because that final game against the Cubs just made me mad. But the one good thing that I saw in that game, the double play combination that came to fruition a couple of times of Jose Barrero and Jonathan India, it's got me excited. It's good to see India making some strides because he was definitely shaky in the beginning, which is understandable, right? You're playing third base. You're more reactionary. You don't need to be as uh, rangy. It's a lot different at second, and I know people will say, oh, second's easier in some ways, but it's a big difference in terms of footwork. India is more than athletic enough to play it, and I think we're starting to see that athleticism shine through. The interesting thing on Senzel that I'll say, too, because I I just did a full write-up on why I believe the Reds are going to make the playoffs on JustBaseball.com, and uh, I I loved the support that uh, Reds fans were amped up on that one, so definitely go check that out, but what I thought was interesting about the component of putting Senzel in AAA, I know that, like you said, you can't rely on him to stay healthy, but we're down the home stretch here. And what's one of the biggest uh, weaknesses for the Reds, especially when it comes to hitting? They can't hit lefties, right? They are really bad against lefties. Nick Senzel has yeah. been really good against lefties in his career. I believe somewhere around the 770, 780 OPS range with his speed. That's a great platoon option with Naquin, who really struggles against lefties. Now you have a better situation. Aquino has been great against lefties as well, but He's somebody that I think you're you're stretching him out to put him in center. So I was surprised to see Senzel go to AAA just because I felt like he could be that answer a little bit for the woes against Southpaws. I mean, if you're getting no hit for six innings by Matt Moore, you got to be a little bit worried. And and I'd be trying to think a little bit outside the box as to how we're going to hit lefties against righties. This is an offense I'd put up against anybody, but you got to find some answers against Southpaws or else it's going to be a problem. And it's confusing for a manager who is, as his detractors would say, so far in love with analytics. I think most of baseball has gotten to the point where analytics is the way to go. So FYI, if David Bell ain't here, somebody else that almost runs the team exactly the same will be. Exactly. I I mean, analytics, like uh, like you said, the analytics talking about lefty-righty matchups, Nixon Zell fits in. And and that was another reason that I thought was so weird that they – they didn't bring him up. Anyway, I'm getting really fixated on that, and that's not what this series is about because he's not up here. He's not going to be playing. There's <laughs> there's a lot going on with the pitching matchups and things like that. You mentioned that we'll see Eliezer Hernandez. Who else will the Reds fans get to watch in this series? Well, that's the wonderful uh, the wonderful thing about the Marlins this year is you have no idea who's going to pitch two out of five days. I think they've, <laughs> there's no team in baseball that's had more bullpen games than the Marlins have. Uh, they because of the injuries that they've had to their rotation. But Zach Thompson uh, should be going you know, today, uh, later today as we record this. And Zach Thompson's been really interesting. You look at the numbers, they're, they're pretty darn good. He's somebody that never had good numbers in the minors, comes up to the bigs. Uh, Mel Stoudemire Jr., the Marlins uh, pitching coach, has been incredible and really helped him unlock some stuff. And the Marlins have had a great track record as a late of developing arms. And Zach Thompson's the latest installment of that. Uh, He does a really good job of mixing up pitches. He attacks hitters differently every single time he goes out there. And I'm interested to see how, you know, he fares against a Reds team that can really swing it against righties. Uh, So it it should be a good test. Eliezer Hernandez, another good test too, because he missed a majority of the season, comes back, was dealing through four innings and pulls his hamstring rounding third. Now he's back again, made a good start last outing, but that was against the Cubs. 
Now I want to see him against a really good lineup. Uh, again, the Reds, who hit righties well, Eliezer's one issue is that he has been inconsistent in his career with the third pitch. The changeup is that third pitch he needs. He's been showing that a little bit more as of late. So I think it's going to be a really good barometer for him. He, he's He's been very good when we've seen him and when he's been healthy. Uh, and, and that should be a, a good pitching matchup. It's unfortunate every time I have to see Luis Castillo on the other side, uh, given that the Marlins you know, gave him away for nothing. But then in game three, too, uh, I don't know. There's a chance, though, we could see Trevor Rogers in that one. I'm not positive because there's a lot of uncertainty there. He is back. And with the team, which is good. I know he had uh, gone through, uh, he was on the bereavement list uh, from what the reports were, were unfortunately a a very bad loss in his family. And so thoughts are with him there. And uh, for him to be back is is a great sign. And uh, it'll be fun from a baseball perspective to see him pitch possibly against Jonathan India and and try to you know make his claim now because he's been gone for a month. He's going to have to finish strong here in the rookie of the year uh, side of things. But if it's not Rodgers, I could see a bullpen game where at that point, uh, get ready to tee off. I I kind of hope so. I hate to say that at your misfortune, but bullpen games as of late have been almost a weird bugaboo for the Reds. There, there's a strange formula that we have been starting to unpack on Twitter that is uh, league average lefties and guys that there's not much tape on. Those are the guys that kill the Reds, and that's why – I mean, you saw Matt Moore, like you mentioned, with his performance. Adrian Sampson hadn't pitched in the major league since 2019. And except for Tyler Naquin's solo home run, he shut down the Reds. And just different guys like that, that on paper, you're thinking, all right, this team's going to tee off. And and Sampson was a righty. Sampson wasn't even a lefty. So I was like, what is going on right here? But. I look for good games from Castillo. Castillo had that that blow up against Cleveland last Monday where Cleveland got eight runs on him and his ERA jumped back up a half a run. But for the most part, he has climbed all the way out of the cellar of like almost a nine ERA to now almost three. He has pitched to the level that we all know that he can. And I thanked you last time, so I'm not going to thank you again for that <laughs> for Luis Castillo. But it, it was always it, it's always good to watch him pitch. You're gonna see everybody else in this rotation except for Tyler Malley because well Tyler Malley pitched in that game against the Cubs and he was terrible, so he gets timeout. Plus crazy he's not splits. Be on five day rest. Yeah. Crazy splits for him. I don't I, and, and that's the thing. I had somebody ask me, they're like, Do you think it's the sticky stuff? I'm like, nah, it's something about Great American. Like, I don't know, maybe it's the fry box, maybe he eats too much of it and <laughs> then he just tries to go out and pitch on a full box or full belly of fry box, but he's just so much better on the road, which almost makes me wonder because we were talking about this in the event that the Reds somehow sneak into the wild card here, which they've got a shot to because the Padres are reeling with lots of injuries to their pitching staff at the worst time of the year for that, which you hate to see as a reason, but that's, that's what the MLB season is. It's a marathon with all of that. Who starts that game? And Castillo is the obvious answer. But with those weird home road splits and the fact you're probably going to be pitching in Chavez Ravine, Tyler Malley is at least a consideration to go. I, 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 I think that the other guys on this pitching staff, though, uh, you're going to see a consistent Wade Miley. He's going to give you fits, but he's going to do it really quick. You're not going to be thinking too much whenever he's on the mound. 
He is just a quick worker. He's like a dude who goes into the local grocery store with a list and he doesn't deviate from that list. He knows exactly what pitch he's going to throw and he's going to throw it and then he's moving right along. He's not messing around. I love watching him pitch for that reason. And then you see Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray is an interesting case because coming into this year, it was ace 1A, ace 1B with Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray hasn't pitched that way. In fact, here recently, he has failed to pitch more than five innings, I think, in his last three starts. So what are you going to get from that? What is this Marlins lineup going to do with that? Because I'm interested to know. I know that we've talked a lot about pitching side, but, um, oh, and we're going to get into that here in just a minute. I just saw, man, our first segment went way long. Um, anyway, that, that, this Reds Marlins series is going to be phenomenal. We're going to continue to talk about that more and more. Before we get into that, though, Aram, if you gone to like a uh, brick-and-mortar store to get some auto parts lately, they're a little uh, expensive. Way, way overpriced. They they got these crazy markups, like we're talking like 50%, maybe even 100% markups from what they are charging or what they're getting charged from the suppliers. And I got a great solution to that. And you can go online and check out rockauto.com. I love rockauto.com. The last time I got some parts from them, I had to get me a, a replacement uh, turning lamp. One of What's the scientific term for that? I think it's a blinker. And uh, I got one of those from rockauto.com. And it's delivered right to my door. It's really awesome the way that that works. Oh, my friends in Florida, they, they don't really know what, what those blinkers are either. So it's okay. But <laughs> no, that for me at this point, you got to get it shipped straight to your door, especially with everything going on. And, and that's exactly what Rock Auto does. Keeps it simple. And uh, you can't really ask for much more than that. It's cheaper and you don't have to leave your house. What else do you want? Yeah. And, and they've got a fantastic catalog because they got that catchphrase that we always say. RockAuto.com has all of the parts that your car will ever need. And when you go to their website in the checkout section, in the How'd You Hear About Us area, type in Locked On to let them know that your pals Aram and Jeff from Locked On Marlins and Locked On Reds sent you. Uh, I don't know that they're going to ask you all that details, but just type in Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us area. That's rockauto.com. They're family-owned for over 20 years, and they will help you find exactly what... Oh, look, if you don't know the scientific term for a blinker, maybe you're trying to figure out uh, what your favorite brand is, or maybe you don't even know what the part is, rockauto.com can help you out. Check them out today. Now... uh, Auto parts aren't all that fun because some of us really hate the fact with cars. But you know what is fun? Seafood. (laughs) I'm a big seafood guy. Again, South Florida guy, so I'm all about it. But now I moved to New York, and not as easy to get it all the time. So it's pretty easy to get it shipped to your door too, right? I'm a big ship-to-my-door guy. Wait, wait, isn't that backwards? Like, don't people move from New York to Florida? Uh, Yeah, but I'm younger, so I think it's like the the reverse, (laughs) right? It's it's like a... a, snowbird old guy move retired dude move i'll go back eventually well regardless you're a lot closer to the ocean than cincinnati is and the nice thing about wildalaskancompany.com the seafood that you get we're talking about halibut cod salmon there's like three different types of salmon all i knew was salmon and i got this box and all of a sudden there's three different types i'm like what do i do with these three different types but they're very tasty just had some smoked salmon pasta got a little mushroom in there got a little angel hair 
fantastic stuff. What they do is they catch it wild. They flash freeze it, which sounds like some kind of science fiction thing. And then they vacuum seal it, send it right to you. It's pretty much like you just caught it in your backyard, which wouldn't make any sense if you don't have any water there. And it's fresh whenever you thaw it out and cook it. Fantastic stuff. And they got a deal for you, Aaron. What's that deal? Uh, it, it's a good one. <laughs> you got to tell me what it is because I don't have it in front of me. But I, it, it's too good to remember. It's wildalaskancompany.com. Sorry, I put you on the spot there. Wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB. You'll save $15 off your next box. Bam. I can't tell, I can't advocate for it enough. I love seafood, and I live in Ohio, so sometimes I got to figure out where exactly that's coming from. Wild Alaskan Company will set it right at my door, so I don't have to go find it, which is nice. And it's very delicious. WildAlaskanCompany.com slash MLB for $15 off your next box. All right. That is the most off the rails any live read has ever gotten on any Locked On podcast. Probably the most most entertaining (laughs) one, too. So you got to break it up. Anybody listening to that, uh, anybody in the brass and Locked On, you're welcome. Uh, (laughs) We... We, we've got some great stuff coming up with Reds and Marlins. I want to talk specifically about two guys, though, because these are two guys who we've talked about. Every time Jonathan India gets a hit, I send out a tweet about Rookie of the Year. And, oops, that's the wrong. I got way too many of these things. See, I type these up, and I forget about them. That was from, like, another episode. Um, <laughs> Trevor Rogers, though, has been a fantastic pitcher. And, watch, and just looking at the numbers, I haven't got a chance to watch – really any of his pitching stuff tell me about him because i've told reds fans ad nauseum about how much jonathan india is just amazing yeah i mean and india is amazing and and that's the thing is is both of these guys have, have one had incredible years and two were not expected to be the front runners for rookie of the year which makes it so right. much more fun uh I, I actually gave out uh on, on our just baseball picks before the year with the staff i gave out rogers and our, one of our other guys jack mcmullen gave out jonathan india uh i think rogers was plus 3500 uh which means you know you're gonna bet ten dollars you're gonna win uh what, what would that be third 350 and then yep. the same thing with rogers same odds so it was amazing but to, to answer on trevor rogers he has one of the most lively fastballs you're going to see. It's it's not that it's 100 miles an hour. I mean, he is sitting 94, 96, but uh, he releases it from a really tough arm angle, almost Randy Johnson-esque with the extension that he gets and how hard uh, it comes out of his hand and the life that it has and how fast it gets in on you. Left-handed hitters really struggle against that heater. But the crazy thing about him is his best pitch, his best out pitch is a changeup. So He's able to lean on the fastball against lefties, which looks like it's coming at their front hip every time. And then for righties, they've got to gear up for 95, 96, but his best out pitch is his changeup. So you're geared up for 95. It looks like 95 and it fades out of there. uh, And it's a changeup that just drops off the table. Those two pitches for him alone have been unhittable. The whiff rates on both of those pitches are incredible. The slider is that distant third pitch, but he changed the grip on it. And it has become a really effective pitch for him against lefties. So now he has the fastball change up against righties. He has the fastball slider against lefties. And it has worked like a, like a science. But he's comfortable going with the change up left on left too, which makes him even more just dynamic. But the bread and butter for Trevor Rogers is that he can lean on that fast. Oh. I know like talking about that fastball low and in. 
Sorry, go ahead. I know like talking about that fastball low and in has really it, it really dominated Adrian Sampson dominated the Reds with that and, and actually to a point before the Reds started scoring runs off of him so did um the first starter for the Cubs and his name just escaped me really. um anyway he had a really good uh first uh first pitch low and inside fastball that the Reds really couldn't do much with and that was kind of the game plan for the Cubs uh the whole series was hit that low and inside corner so I don't know if teams have like found some kind of hole in the Reds swings we'll have to see what happens there but Talking specifically about this matchup of Rodgers and India, India, he has been phenomenal. For Marlins fans listening today, ever since becoming the leadoff hitter, his on-base percentage is over 45% of the time. We're talking about Shinsu Chuyan numbers. The Reds have not had a leadoff hitter this good in the last nine years. And before Shinsu Chu, it was probably another long time, maybe a decade, couple of decades since we've seen a leadoff hitter this good. So Reds fans are super excited about it because this is not a guy who's going to spend one year and leave. He's going to be here a while. So the on-base is awesome. His slugging has come along so much here recently. And he's he's had – he went like a streak of four straight games. Or no, 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 not a streak of four straight games. I'm sorry, getting my stacks mixed up. He has four leadoff home runs this season. And even before that, he was hitting well from the eighth spot, from the seventh spot, down in the order. And David Bell looked at his lineup one day and he said, you know what? Let's give the kid a try. And ever since he's been the leadoff hitter, he has just ran with it. Now, some could point back to the fact that early on in the season, he was walking up to the Pirates of the Caribbean theme. And while that is super cool, ever since he changed it to a really more mellow song, a little bit more chill, he's really just taken off. And I I love him at home, but he's also good on the road, too. The one thing I'm looking for, and I, I kind of want to see if this uh, this game here is or the this series here. I want to see a four hit game. Dude's got nine three hit games this year. And his last three-hit game, he got three hits in his first three at-bats. And then the, I think it was his fifth at-bat, he got robbed. Like, it was straight, straight-in wins. Uh, it was just absolutely unbelievable. He wasn't able to hit the ball out of the ballpark because he crushed it. The launch angle, the exit velocity, I could just see it. I don't even need sports science to tell me about it. I was like, that's gone. And then all of a sudden, dude's catching it. He's like leaning up against the wall, reach up, catch it. I'm like... Get out of here. That's bull crap. Should have had a four-head game, multi-home run game, too, if that would happen. But Jonathan India is phenomenal. I can't wait to watch Trevor Rogers though, because the future of baseball with these two guys is amazing. It's great anytime you have – I mean, both of these guys are high-profile players, given that they were both first-round picks. But it's great when you have players that show that development that weren't maybe the top-end prospects. Both of them fell out of the top 100 list. I I'd coming into this year – I really felt that people were being too hard on India, even in the minor leagues. Yes, he wasn't producing third base caliber power production and not putting up the power numbers that we saw at the University of Florida in his junior season. But that doesn't mean that he wasn't going to be a productive big leaguer. Now he moves to second base where there's less pressure on the power production, though you point out that he's hitting for power now and he's playing in a ballpark where you're going to be able to sneak up a little bit more power than maybe some other spots. Uh, right. But even if he wasn't doing that, his ability to get on base, he had that ability in the minors. He's showing that ability in the big leagues now too. And this was a really good point that was brought up to me 
by Jeff Conine, former Red briefly, uh, on our Outside the Box with Jeff Conine podcast that I do with him for just baseball. And Jeff said this. So Jeff overlapped with Joey Votto for one year. And, and he nice. said, Joey Votto goes about his business, as, as I'm sure Reds fans know, as, as well as anybody that you'll see in baseball. And he really feels like he, and this was just more of a gut feeling from him. I don't think he heard it from anybody, but he just said, knowing the way the clubhouse dynamics are and the way Votto is, and I really feel like he has helped Jonathan India with his approach. I, I feel like I see a lot of uh, similarities with their patience, with their ability to work the count, with their trust that they're going to be able to stay alive with two strikes, spoil tough pitches, and ultimately not afraid to fall into uh, a pitcher's count and get out of it. And, and I think that's an interesting tidbit to think that maybe there's an overlap there where Joey Votto is helping groom Jonathan India, which is maybe helping him, you know, have this just progressive uh, improvement that we've seen now month to month. I think the experience does that too, but he's also surrounded by a lot of really darn good hitters that are experienced. And I think Votto has that similar type of approach, obviously a lot more power right now, but a similar patient approach. And he's going to happily take that walk any day of the week. I could do a whole podcast on Joey Votto. I love him so much, but he, uh, this has been a classic year for Joey Votto press conferences. You've just seen him on the field. He's been way more loose. He's having a lot more fun. It looks like he's not tensed up trying to figure out what's wrong with his game, but when he gets into those press conferences has been phenomenal. And earlier this year, whenever Jonathan India was really breaking onto the scene for Reds fans, he had a quote. He said, he's my mom's favorite player. Joey Votto's mom's favorite player is Jonathan India. It's not Joey Votto. <laughs> so it's it's funny. I, I think they both have become fast friends as much as a grizzled vet and a green rookie could. And it, I can definitely see the fruits of that labor because it's been talked about on the radio broadcast a lot. His hitting style, he is not the type of dude who's worried about crushing every single pitch. You see a lot of guys, they kind of get into this mold where it's a homer or nothing, and they kind of try and do an Adam Dunn. They're like, I want a homer, walk, or strike out. I don't care about the rest. Jonathan India doesn't do that. Sometimes he just puts the bat on the ball and tries to get a little bloop single. Sometimes he ends up crushing the ball. But it's not because he's got an uppercut style, give me the launch angle type swing. He's just making good, solid contact. And that's what's so exciting to see about it. I, I, before the season, I feel silly for even saying it because I remember on our, our divisional roundtable episode for the NL Central, we were talking about this because we had Dylan Carlson to talk about. We had Key Brian Hayes to talk about. We had Jonathan India. And I was looking, I'm like, this is Key Brian Hayes' award to lose. Yeah. And even Ethan, I'll give him credit, Ethan Smith, host of the Lockdown Pirates, he looked at me and he said, I think Jonathan India is going to win it. And I was like, all right, you're being nice. I get it. That's That's nice of you. I appreciate that. And here we are. Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about the leadoff spot, too, and what that does for you mentally. Jonathan India, again, a guy that was playing third base, felt like he needed to hit for power. Now you go to the leadoff spot, and your job is just to get on base. So no matter how you do it, whether it's that bloop single, whether it's a walk, or you go yard, you achieved what your job is. And I think that that almost takes pressure off of a guy, as crazy as that sounds, like Jonathan India, because he's thinking, okay, all I have to do is get on base. I don't need to slug 500. Uh, When I look at the Marlins... They've had a similar development, and I'm not saying that he nearly gets on base as well as Jonathan India, but Jazz Chisholm has settled into a leadoff role because uh, he's somebody that has swing and miss issues, uh, not like India did. But what happens with with Jazz is 
he's over aggressive. He was swinging and missing. He's trying to be that cleanup hitter type. You talk about, you know, the, the big lift and, uh, and crush it. And he still does that. But I think in the leadoff role, it's forced him to be a bit more of a well-rounded hitter. And, and that is what's been really nice to see. And Jazz Chisholm, a guy that, you know, not quite rookie of the year consideration. He's been banged up, but he's had a great year. Uh, really has impressed me. Uh, he's electric. The swing is beautiful. Uh, he's probably going to hit 30 home runs at some point in his career. He has 13 and 300 at-bats this season, 752 OPS. He's electric. He's a lot of fun. And he moved from shortstop to second base as well. So another guy that moves over to second, takes a little bit of pressure off of him, and he's starting to swing the bat well again. Uh, I think Reds fans are really, if they haven't watched much of him, are really going to enjoy Jazz Chisholm uh, because I see Jazz as that transcendent player for the Marlins, much like, uh, and not to compare because nobody ever will really compare to what he was to the Marlins and beyond, but Jose Fernandez was that transcendent figure where people outside of the Marlins organization were like, I love the way he plays. He has fun out there. You know, he, he, he's electric. That's a similar thing with Jazz here, where we're seeing national attention to him a little bit. Uh, and Reds fans, I know, feel slighted, too, by the national media. So th- this is something that I know Reds fans can understand. Uh, but with Jazz, we're seeing him transcend that Marlins bubble. And I think Reds fans will really just enjoy the way he plays. He just has fun out there. He goes 100 miles per hour. And when he gets a hold of one, man, whew, that swing is gorgeous, and it goes a mile. Had him on my fantasy team for a little bit, so I, I would try and drop in on MLB.tv to watch a couple at bats, and I'm with you. Plus, I mean, that's an all-time, that, that's a top name in the mm-hmm. league right now. Jazz, like, I, I don't know that I'd ever use his last name. In fact, if I were him, I'd file a petition to just be like, you know, share or something. Like Ichiro. I'm, I'm, I'm Ichiro. Jazz. Yeah. Just Ichiro, I'm just, jazz. just Jazz on the back. I, mean, jazz. I wouldn't put oh. anything past this guy. Uh, he, he came <laughs> out in his debut with blue hair. Um Nice. Just, just does not care. Has a ton of fun out there. You know, maybe I, I maybe some players don't like it. That's fine. I think it's good, uh, and that's an entirely different conversation to have. But he has so much fun out there, and he's been a, a little injection of life to what has been a frustrating season for the Marlins. And again, I just think Reds fans, it'll be fun to be able to see uh, a young and upcoming player that I think is really good for baseball in Jazz Chisholm. We've definitely got to wrap that segment up there because you just said like poetry there, like blue hair does not care, has fun out there. That's <laughs> it. We're 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 ending that segment on that one because that was awesome. All right, before we jump into kind of what we think is going to happen in this series and some general topics because there were some big news that came down the other day, I want to get your thoughts on that. And I haven't really touched on it that much on my podcast either, so I want to vet this out a little bit. I want to shout out our sponsor, Bet Online. AG. You can go there today, set up your profile, and enter that promo code locked on. You'll get 50% added onto your initial deposit. And when you're talking about what you can uh, make some money on, what kind of stuff are we looking at here, Aaron? They got everything MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, and MMA. And to get 50% on $100, you get 50 free, free money. It's, it's free, free money. money. Until yeah, you just got to bet it right. So you got to bet Red's money line probably the next three games. You should be in good shape. <laughs> I'm I'm interested to see how this series rolls, and I know that you can also kind of dig into uh, series prices and and take uh, one team or another. I don't think the Reds are going to be any kind of value, so that's probably not going to be worth <laughs> your time. 
but I know that you can get in on some props. I was feeling really good, and I'm glad I didn't tell anybody about this until after the fact, and I can just make myself look terrible, but I I took Tyler Malley nine-plus strikeouts on the Reds to win yesterday. Anyway, I'll have (laughs) tips for you from time to time that are much better than that. I try to try to do it every so often. But again, Aram, what is that promo code that they can make some free money on right from the start? It's locked on. Come on. It's locked on. Just like easy to remember. One word locked on. You get 50% free money. It's tough to beat that. New game day shirt. Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate. Boom, cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. In sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Did I mention there are no fees, period? This one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Free money, make some money off your sports knowledge, betonline.ag. All right, so let's, let's wrap it up. But firstly, let's say, all right, these four games, the Reds, um, I almost I almost wish, and I hope, as a fan, I'm looking at this from the kind of emotional rah-rah perspective. I understand this, but I hope that they look at that Cubs series loss and they go out and they sweep the Marlins. Four games is hard to sweep anybody. I understand that, but I, I feel like the Reds have to have a sense of urgency, and they got to come into the series starting from a mindset of we got to go three and one, and hopefully they go four and zero. Oh, I think it ends up being three and one because this bullpen has showed that it's really hard to count on them for four straight days. So I, I'm going to say three and one. I think that's probably the right takeaway, and also the Marlins. Again, they have their limitations, but they've got some good starters, and you're probably going to get one or two quality starts out of these four games, and that means you're going to be in the ball game come sixth, seventh inning, and that's where anything can happen. Again, it's baseball. The Marlins are in a spot right now where they're letting a lot of prospects get at bats. That can be good or bad, right? Again, you're having players that are playing with nothing to lose. Jesus Sanchez just returned to the lineup, went yard yesterday. He's got a lot of power and and is a really exciting bat for them. Jazz Chisholm back in the lineup full-time again. He's starting to swing it really well. Uh, they've had some guys swinging it. Uh, Lewis Brinson up until the last few ball games had been just a revelation. So we'll see how that goes. But overall, this is still a team that has some guys that can swing it. Yeah, and if they if they pitch well, you've got the RBI leader and Jesus Aguilar, uh, which is crazy. He leads CNL and RBI. And you've got some young guys that, that can swing the bat a little bit, and Brian Anderson's starting to come alive. And they're not the worst team ever, right? So three games out of four, I think you got to be really happy with that and, and roll forward with that. But I do think if I'm a Marlins fan, I'm coming into the series a bit worried uh, just because the Reds got humbled and they got reminded here that it's Major League Baseball. And if you don't come in and treat the Marlins the same way that you treat the Cardinals or uh, any other division rival or a team like the Padres, maybe that uh, you're duking it out with for that final playoff spot, they'll surprise you and they'll beat you because it's the freaking Major Leagues. And I think the Reds know that. I'm sure Joey Votto gave them that talk. And they're going to come out, I think, with a little bit of a fire lit under them. And uh, we're going to see that. Absolutely. And and to tell you the truth, uh, the one game that the Marlins end up winning, and if they end up winning more than one game, the first guy I'm looking at is Aguiar. Aguiar has 
an amazing um, track record against the Reds. We'll we'll put it that way. He really <laughs> liked playing them whenever he was a Brewer, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how they pitch. There's there's one dude for sure that um, uh, there, there there's one dude for sure that I know uh, is going to be one way or the other. And that's Wade Miley. I, t- I talked about how quick he works on the mound, but he has shown in the past handful of games, there's been a couple of games where there's just a lot of hard contact on him. And when you take out the fact, because all season long, he's been like 98th percentile of limiting hard contact. If you take that away from his resume, he's just kind of an average dude. He's just <clears throat> a okay pitcher. So if he's allowing hard contact to Jazz and to Brian Anderson and to Jesus Aguiar, that's going to be a long game. And I, I'll be interested to see if they can get up on him like that. Well, the interesting thing with Miley is is that he does a really good job, like you said, of just getting ground balls, weak contact. But the Marlins, they're a team of young hitters that are ultra-aggressive. And they struggle more against the Luis Castillos, the guys that will get you to chase, to, to expand the zone. So that's going to be – I think you put out a good point there – this is going to be a good uh, little bit of a feel here. What's going to give because Miley's not a guy that really makes you expand the zone. He's a guy that will make you get yourself out. And the Marlins are a team that's, that's aggressive. Uh, So we'll see what gives there. I could see him pounding the zone and getting outs and taking advantage of young hitters, but I could also see some of those young hitters ambushing him. And, and that could be the approach that they want to have. So it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a quick game because they're going to be aggressive. And uh, that's what's great, though. Wade Miley is what I think a lot of the MLB brass really wants to see is is these guys that work quickly uh, that, so they don't have to put these Band-Aid rules that don't do anything. Uh, but right. I'm excited to see that. It's funny because I feel like Wade Miley would be a kryptonite to the Reds. Uh, so it's good that he's on yes. the Reds team. Uh, <laughs> but for the Marlins side of things, if they deploy Rodgers in this one, that's a great outing or a great opportunity for Rodgers to come back against a team that really struggles against lefties and he can lean on the fastball and set the tone with the fastball and that's a game where I'm looking for the Marlins to win if they do end up starting Rodgers in one of these four uh, that's the one that they've really got to feel good about uh, in terms of trying to steal one or two in this series well dude I'm looking for this series I there's one thing I want to talk about before we go and that was the news that it, it dropped I think it was yesterday uh, pretty much before the game started for the Reds and Cubs, or no, it was after the game it was over. That's what it was. Um, the news that Major League Baseball had proposed to the Players Association a twofold item, something that a lot of people have been saying could be a good thing for baseball in a salary floor, but also with the kind of caveat of here's one, but here's the other as well, lowering the luxury tax threshold and imposing a harder luxury tax penalty. In the essence, a salary cap, because you know most owners will treat that as such, because I I believe I saw that the luxury tax threshold, luxury tax threat, whatever, that has been lowered <laughs> or in the proposal would be lowered to $180 million and the penalty will jump to 25%. <laughs> so is the salary floor enough for this to be something or does the luxury tax thing turn this into completely nothing at all? 
I like it personally, but that's going to be some, that's coming from somebody that that is desperately wanted to see the team that he covers spend money. And I know Reds fans too at, at points. I mean, the Reds have a, a decent payroll right now, but Reds fans in the past have felt like uh, ownership had been cheap at times, right? So th- this is something that I think for for the rest of the markets is huge. Uh, given that baseball already has a revenue sharing uh, program and, and the way that that really almost incentivizes teams like the Marlins to do nothing. Because you know you're still going to get your check from the big fish, uh, and if you can, no pun intended, and and if you can really uh, be able to tread water and be half decent and not operate at a loss, you're going to get that revenue sharing money and make a profit. Uh, th- those are things that I think it disincentivizes from there, and you're required to to at least go up to that hundred million threshold. What I will say though is already teams are desperately avoiding the luxury tax as is, except for the Dodgers, right? The Yankees, yeah. they gave up a ton of prospect capital to have a lot of those contracts covered by other teams. And so if you really want to go get talent, it's not like you won't be able to. The the Yankees were able to go get players and – Barely, barely are over the luxury tax. They would, even in the new rule, would not be paying that much money. So it would really incentivize building a great farm system. And look at those players as assets. If I trade my number three prospect instead of my number seven prospect, I know that X team is going to kick in more money, which keeps me under the luxury tax. So I think it just incentivizes more scouting, more emphasis on building something instead of just spending money. And you could still spend. Right, I don't think this rule would keep the Dodgers from going over the luxury tax. The Dodgers are paying more in tax penalties than several teams are in payroll this year. That can't nice. happen, and I really like this rule. Maybe there's some tweaks that need to be made, but overall, I think it's good for baseball. Teams are already hesitant to go over the luxury tax anyways, and you can find ways to navigate it. Look at Brian Cashman this year. The one thing that I wonder, because I'm with you, I love the idea of a salary floor, especially at $100 million. I mean, the Reds are over that, so they wouldn't be affected by the salary floor, but there's a bunch of teams that would. The only thing that I'm looking for, because it wasn't in the report, is what is the penalty if you don't? Because, or, I mean, are you going to pay 25% because, or 25% of how much lower you are? Because a team could be like, all right, whatever, we'll pay... 85 million for our roster and then they don't pay that much in a penalty i think that that's got to be a pretty substantial penalty for this to work because you've got i i remember um and it didn't obviously happen so it was kind of a moot point but before the trade deadline ethan was talk ethan from lockdown pirates was talking about if they were to trade gregory polanco their entire payroll would be cheaper than trevor bauer's contract which we won't get into Trevor Bauer that much, Pierre, but the, the, the numbers, the numbers yeah. side of things with him, um, yeah, it'd be lower than his contract. So it's like, okay, that's got to be the kind of thing that is just absolutely just mm, like Pirates fans got to be excited about that. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're essentially becoming Premier League soccer at that point, right? Like th- th- yeah. that can't happen. That's too polarizing. So maybe this rule might be way out here, but I think it is a good starting point of what baseball needs to focus on. And I'm happy about that because yeah, you're going to have big market and small market. That's always a thing, but you need to encourage a little bit more parity and you have to disincentivize teams uh, from having a payroll that's lower than one singular player. That That's a joke. That can't happen. I'm with you totally. And I tell you what, man, this has been awesome. We went a little bit long. So sorry if it's TLDR, everybody listening and watching, but I had a lot of fun. It's always good talking with Aaron Layton from Lockdown Marlins. Tell Reds fans how they can follow you during the series. 
Yeah, absolutely. At RMLayton8 on Twitter and also at Locked on Marlins. And then the third one is just at Just Baseball, which is just be Just BB Media on Twitter and JustBaseball.com. Have the Reds piece up there too. And we'll have a lot more on the Red system coming up soon. Top 100 list coming out. And a spoiler alert uh, Lodolo and Hunter Green are going to be pretty darn high on that thing. I'm looking forward to seeing them in the majors, man. Uh, for Marlins fans, you can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's, and you can follow the show at Lockdown Reds. And and for anybody that doesn't know, Just Baseball is a fantastic website. You got to check them out. They do a great job of covering all things baseball because they're just baseball. I don't know <laughs> if you got like a catchphrase or anything, that's a that's a pitch there. If you want that, um, I might, not might take that one. That. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it, my man. It's always fun. Aram, good seeing you, man. Let's uh, let's talk again soon. That sounds good. All right, guys. Thanks so much for watching and listening. Make sure you're following both of our podcasts on your favorite podcasting app, and make sure you're subscribed to the Lockdown Reds podcast right here on YouTube. But that'll do it for us today. We'll wrap up, or I'll talk about game one tomorrow. And I've got some other thoughts. I got a question for you, and I'd love to hear everyone's response on Lockdown Reds line 513 549 0159. Would you rather, in terms of baseball career, would you rather be Nick Senzel or Tyler Naquin? We're going to talk about that (laughs) tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.